Dissecting Dexter is sponsored by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download, go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash Dexter, where you have over 100,000 audiobook titles to choose from. So what are you waiting for? Go there. Go there now. No, wait. Listen to the podcast first, then go. Hi everyone, can you hear that? The Royal Air Force, God love them. <laughs> they seem to know when I'm recording. <laughs> but times are pressing, so we must press on. Welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. It's great to speak to you once again. I'm Gareth Watkins, coming to you as always from the mobile studio deep in the heart of rural North Yorkshire, where we're on a flight path from RAF Dishforth, where we get frequent helicopters flying over, as regular listeners will know. So, as that particular one disappears into the distance, let's get on with today's show. We are halfway through Season 2, reviewing Season 2 of Dexter. Now, this is a spoiler-free podcast, so if you are a new listener to Dissecting Dexter, fear not about being spoiled for upcoming episodes. This is a spoiler-free zone. We are only talking today about Season 2, Episode 6, and there may be bits and pieces that crop up that have happened previously. We will not be discussing anything that's yet to come, except a little bit in the preview section, but you can skip that later. So, how have you guys been doing? It's, well, spring is in full swing here in the UK, and it's fantastic. Well, I say that. East Yorkshire, where I live, has today officially been declared as <laughs> drought, <laughs> drought zone. <laughs> um yeah, so it's mixed feelings, really, that we've got this prolonged period of really dry, sunny, warm weather. Um, it's lovely to have this so we can get out and enjoy, just enjoy life and enjoy being out and doing stuff. We've we've had visits to the beach and just out into the countryside and, you know, having having nice dry weather really helps in that regard. And you know, if you spend too much indoors, the kids start bouncing off the walls. So we can't do too much of that. But yeah, the lack of rain means that um, hose pipe bans are in force and who knows what other measures they might put in in force uh, to try and limit the use of water. Um, the southeast of England, I think, has, has been declared as suffering, officially suffering drought for, for some time. And now I, I think certainly East Yorkshire and I think South Yorkshire as well has been added to that rather unenviable list what it does mean for the podcast is that there you go as you just heard <laughs> birds in the background um <laughs> it's a nice warm day it's um oh it's into the 70s outside but the car's like an oven um, i just put on facebook actually that i was on my way out to the mobile studio to start recording and uh, there's no way i can record this with the car windows shut so uh, if you hear the sound of birdsong from the background, you know, it adds a bit of atmosphere, doesn't it? But um, that's why the car windows are open and uh, I dare say any um, helicopters that decide to grace us with their presence over the next half hour or so, um, you'll hear that loud and clear as well. So apologies in advance for any disturbances we might have to suffer. But as usual, I'm waffling. Um, I won't uh, prolong the introduction longer than necessary. There's a little bit of Dexter news just before we get into the latest episode. Season 7 news, this is completely non-spoilery, so don't worry. Um, 
Showtime have announced the premiere date for the first episode of season seven. September the 30th is officially D-Day, so mark that in your calendar. 9pm Eastern uh, for you lucky people in the US who get to see it first. 30th of September. Season 7 starts shooting. Uh, Jennifer Carpenter was on UK TV lately, uh, publicising the... or she was over here to promote uh, Season 6 airing here officially on um, UK TV. And she mentioned that they start shooting season seven in about eight weeks. Now, from the time that she appeared on TV, that would put shooting at starting roughly midway through May. Uh, so not long now till cameras start rolling on some new Dexter material. So, um, you know, nice to know. OK, so let's get stuck into the, uh, the to today's episode. Sorry, I'm, I'm stammering a little bit. Forgive me. Season two, episode six. Episode titled Dex, Lies and Videotape. Nice play on words. <laughs> Original air date, November the 4th, 2007. Written by Lauren Gussis, who's one of those writers who's been with the show since early in season one and is still there in season six. So uh, a well-seasoned writer, although not at this point. <laughs> but she is now, you know what I mean. Uh, the episode is directed by Nick Gomez. And this is the second of his two Dexter episodes. Here we go with the episode review. Dexter's listening through more tapes of Harry interviewing his mother, Laura. He's pressuring her further to help with the case against the drug gang. He promises to protect her and she seems to trust him. Which is all very sad because, well, <laughs> we know how that turned out. In the flashback, we see her hold his hand and ask if they can meet later. Harry was definitely punching above his weight, <laughs> having this thing with Laura. And you have to wonder if he was involved with her, just to get her help on the case. But I wonder if she was drawn to him because he offered an element of protection, countering the vulnerability she felt at being involved with the gang. Dexter's considering all these things too, wondering if Harry took Dexter in purely out of guilt, blaming himself for her death. Why didn't he take in Brian too, though? He was also Laura's son and was sitting right next to Dexter in that container, yet Harry only took Dexter. Dexter also considers the notion that Harry guided Dexter's dark urges the way that he did, because he knew one day Dexter might hunt down and kill Lord, Laura's murderers, which is a fair point. So... With all this swimming round in his head, Dexter goes to see Lila, feeling enormous self-doubt, thinking he followed the code to live up to Harry's expectations, but now he's not so sure. He's questioning his whole life, how everything he's done has been according to Harry's rules. His very foundation is again being rocked. He says Harry made him what he is, and that's true. Again, we come back to this point of Dexter suffering this terrible trauma at a young age. Something so unspeakable that it gave birth to the darkness that he's been carrying with him ever since. We've talked on the podcast before that had Dexter received the appropriate help at the time, he might not have ever grown up wanting to kill. Yet Harry proactively avoided Dexter getting help, to the point of having him lie in his psych evaluation. It's appalling parenting. Shocking. You have to wonder if, if he did have an ulterior motive shape Dexter into a killing machine capable of honing his skills and hunting down the killers of the woman whose death he blamed himself for. 
I can fully understand Harry feeling responsible. He could have done with seeing a psychiatrist too. He clearly had his own issues. Dexter, he didn't need to go down this dark path. As Lila points out, plenty of people suffer trauma and don't end up with an addiction. Arguably, Dexter could have been one of those, given the proper help at the right time. Harry could have seen to that. He had the power in his hands, yet instead he did everything he could to make sure he didn't. I don't know. Terrible, terrible. You've got to feel sorry for Dexter. Next day, Dokes notices Dexter looking rough and being all grumpy. He asks Deb whether Dexter's fallen off the wagon and she just laughs at the idea. He's never even smoked a cigarette, she says, so now the seed of doubt is replanted in Dokes' head. Fantastic. Why is Dexter going to NA while Deb just laughs at the notion of Dexter being a junkie? You can't blame Dokes, really, can you? There's a pheasant calls. Did you hear that? <laughs> Got to love the countryside. <laughs> You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Is that serious shit? <laughs> There's an amusing scene with Masuka diving into the lift to have a quiet word with Lundy. So I hear a rumour you're tracking all our internet activity. So is it true? Because I can explain all that shemale stuff. Oh, he's such a deviant. I do enjoy Masuka's appearances and little comments like these. He's so funny and such a perv, but oh, we love him for it. Lundy's all business, though, and announces a break in the case. Someone claims to have escaped the Bay Harbour Butcher, which raises Dexter's eyebrows because he was asleep at the time. But he likes the idea of someone else drawing Lundy's attention, although he's taken aback when Lundy asks him to go out with him. Lundy says he hears Dexter has a knack for tracking serial killers. Deb's funny in the background when she says Dexter also enjoys long walks on the beach in foreign films. <laughs> nice. However, Dexter's reluctance shouldn't have been too great because he's got to be intrigued by this claim of someone saying they escaped the butcher. Of course, Dexter goes to the scene already knowing this not to be entirely true. The supposed victim is being questioned by Lundy at the scene and immediately he seems far too relaxed to suggest he's just had a brush with death. I don't know if that's bad acting or whether that's the attitude the writers wanted him to have. Dexter goes to look in the train car where he claims he was held. I like the little comment when Batista puts a hand on his shoulder and asks if his spidey sense is tingling. We've made mention of Dexter's spidey sense before, so that amused me. But also when Batista says we've never been this close to the butcher, Dexter glances at Angel's hand on his shoulder and in voiceover says, Closer than you think, amigo. <laughs> Dexter looks around the train car and knows the guy's an amateur, with no clue about Dexter's techniques. Meanwhile, Lundy and Deb are talking to the victim, who we know is talking himself out of his story as being a victim of the actual Bay Harbour butcher. So, I don't know, I felt it was by the by what he says. Lundy joins Dexter looking around the train car and he asks his opinion about it. It's a really interesting conversation, Dexter trying not to be too helpful and not sound too knowledgeable. He knows Lundy's good and doesn't want to say too much or too little when he's been billed as a canny, perceptive guy when it comes to crime scenes and serial killers. Lundy concludes that the culprit here must be a vigilante, inspired by the butcher, not the butcher himself. Dexter allows himself to ask about the hunt for the real butcher. Lundy tells him about the CCTV in the marinas, which is of course big news for Dex, who now wonders if Lundy's cameras caught him cleaning his boat on the last episode. However, he soon gets a small relief when Deb tells him no one's seen the footage yet because of technical problems. Later, Dexter's hanging out at the beach with Rita, Gail and the kids. 
He takes his leave to go and meet Lila, and Gail latches onto this. She's really playing into the pain in the ass mother in law. She asks Rita if Lila's attractive, and you can see where her bloody mind's going. She suggests that Lila come round for dinner. She's just trying to orchestrate a situation, isn't she? Create doubt in Rita's mind and tension between her and Dexter. But later at dinner, Lila's on her best behaviour and seems to realise what's going on. She says as much as she can to paint Dexter in a good light, which is nice of her. Gail probes Lila about her addiction. She and Rita have a small joke while Dexter listens to them refer to him as if he weren't there. Lila knows Gail's angle and assures her there's nothing to worry about and that Dexter's doing very well. It's a great performance. You wonder whether she's being completely genuine, but to be fair to her, although we've had a few vibes about her openness and quirks, she's not really done anything wrong. Maybe it's just Jamie Murray's delivery, the way she delivers her lines. Maybe it just sounds creepy and seductive. I wouldn't be surprised to see her play a vampire in a future season of True Blood. <laughs> but whatever, Lila's done the trick. Rita seems to like her, despite Lila nearly, nearly putting her foot in it about what happened to Dexter's mum. Elsewhere, Deb's having dinner with Gabe, and she reveals feelings of insecurity about Lundy turning to Dexter earlier, with the train car scene. She thought she'd become Lundy's go-to girl, but feels he now thinks Dexter's the superior Morgan, as she puts it. It's sad for her, but not surprising she feels like this. She grew up feeling that Dexter was her dad's favourite. She mentions her only alone time with him was when he read her a story at bedtime. She starts to recount the things she likes about Lundy, and you get some vibes from her. Like he's a surrogate father figure, or maybe something more. Gabe picks up on the latter. They make light of it, but you can't help but think there's some foreshadowing going on. Anyway, Dexter heads into the office where he sees the computer recording the Marina CCTV, but it's in a secure room. He can't get in, so he abandons that idea briefly and goes home to get some private time with Rita while Gail babysits. As they're getting, shall we say, comfy on the bed, Lila phones. He doesn't answer, and we hear the answer phone recording. Hey, Dex, just calling to check in. Briefing on dinner. I thought it went well, don't you? Mm, it is, yeah. Rita's sweet. Very Martha Stewart. I love Martha Stewart. Got her mum. She's got quite the rod up her ass, doesn't she? By the way, I am such a twat. I can't believe I almost slipped up about your mum. Mind you, it could have been worse. Could have spilled the beans about our road trip. That would have been a bloody Don't dark. you dare. Can you imagine Rita's face if I told her that you and I had spent the night together in a hotel? Oh, bugger. How right Lila was about Rita's mum, but as for what she said about the road trip, whoops. <laughs> and she mentioned Dexter's mother. I can't remember now, but I don't think Rita knows exactly what happened to her. Although, all Rita's going to care about is the road trip that Dexter lied about. The good ship Trust has just sailed away down the Swanee River, and now Rita thinks her mum was right about Dexter. Well, he did hide the truth about the road trip, but then if he'd told Rita where he was going, he'd have had to tell her about what happened to his mother. He was kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, but he gets dumped all the same. Nice bit of emotion from Julie Benz in this scene. I wanted to throw something at Gail, though, when she got home and had a cuddle with Rita, interfering cow. Next morning, Dexter's considering life without Rita. Typical of him, just to let it happen and not try to find her and explain. 
He's got time to make up something good too, if he plans to lie. But he's just thinking that it'll be strange without her. Deb gives him some grief about it and tells him to man up and fight for her. She's perfect for him. I know, he says. Now, is that an acknowledgement in his own strange way that he cares about her? Has some real feelings for her? Or simply referring back to early in season one when he originally got together with Rita as cover, meaning she was perfect for maintaining his facade of being normal. I like to think it's his own weird way of acknowledging that, that maybe he does care about her a little bit. They get a call to attend a meeting with Lundy and he specifically requests Dexter goes too. Of course, Dexter thinks this must mean he's seen the marina footage and he's done for. Deb says it's because he's Lundy's new butt buddy. <laughs> nice turn of phrase, as always, from our Deborah. At the meeting, Lundy talks to the troops about the vigilante copying the butcher and how there are ads around the city from people requesting the butcher's services. Lundy's ready to pull the case from Miami PD and hand the whole thing over to the FBI if this vigilante kills anyone. Then Batista comes in with news of a suspect, Ken Olsen, whose mother was assaulted in a home invasion. The perpetrator of that crime was the train car victim, and now they can't locate Olsen. A bit convenient that Batista should pop up at that moment, but we'll let it go. So, while the police set out to find Olsen, Dexter muses about his own list of things to do. The full force of the FBI. That's the last thing I need. I've got to make sure Lundy gets his man. After I figure out a way to erase the marina files and make up with my girlfriend. And then maybe I'll tackle world hunger because things can't really get much worse. There's another shipment coming in tomorrow. Cocaine. How much? 300 bricks, give or take. Can you get your turn it off? That wasn't part of our agreement, Harry. I said turn it off. I heard what you said. I just don't take orders from you. Oh, how wrong Dexter was there. <laughs> nice touch by the writers, giving us a small chuckle with the world hunger comment, and then bam, there's Dokes listening to the tapes of Harry and Laura. Now, I suspect this will have been something of a mystery to Dokes, wondering why Dexter had all these old interview tapes. I'm not sure how much of Dexter's history he knows. He probably knows Harry was Dexter's father, but how much more than that, I'm not sure. But we do know that Dokes is a very canny detective, and not one who's prone to letting something go. He's the proverbial ferret. And he's right on the money in the conversation that follows. Had a little talk with your sister. Turns out she didn't know you were in program. Anonymous, Sergeant. How long do you say you've been clean? Actually, I didn't because it's none of your goddamn business. So if I were to take a hair from your desk and run it for drugs, it would come back positive, right? Because why would someone pretend to be an addict if he's not? Unless he's got something a hell of a lot worse to hide. Back the fuck off. You want to hit me? Go for it. I've been waiting for a chance to take your ass out. I know how you feel, Sergeant. Hiding something worse. How right he is. How about the dark look Dexter gives him as he leans in to say back off? That was a really intense scene that serves to escalate the tension between these two. It's hard to dislike Dokes, though, because he's not really done anything wrong. His suspicions are completely well-founded. Dexter is a serial killer, and Dokes has picked up the scent. We can't really think less of him for that, can we? He's right. 
Okay, you can argue what Dokes is doing is a form of harassment, but like I say, his suspicions are well founded. Dexter takes quick, a quick action and marches to LaGuerta to tell her he wants to make a formal complaint against Dokes harassing him. She says to hold off until she can talk to him and sends him out to cool down for a bit. Dexter, not too surprisingly, drives to see Lila. He tells her he's about to be found out at work for what he is. I like how he can tell her what's going on without being specific, because she thinks she knows what he is and fills in the gaps. She thinks he's a drug addict, but it does serve to emphasise the parallels in principle with any kind of bad addiction. Dexter's really angry, feeling the pressure from the threat of discovery, pressure from dokes. Maybe some frustration at being dumped by Rita when he'd not actually done what she dumped him for. It's not often we see Dexter like this, and it's the first time Lila's seen him like this, and she's flinching from him. This scene is played with great intensity by Hall, and Jamie Murray does a nice job playing off him, apparently a little scared by his anger, but standing up to him all the same. He throws her down onto the bed and pounces on her as his anger dissipates through some fairly intense bonking. It did seem like she was unprepared for it, and I did like his comments in bed afterwards. Which step was that? And now, of course, he's done the deed that Rita dumped him for, although technically he's now single and doesn't seem to feel any guilt, and it certainly calmed him down. Lila seems very comfortable with the development, though, and invites him back for more. Outside, though, Dexter gets a call from Rita, suggesting they get together to talk, not liking how their last conversation ended. The intimation is that there could be reconciliation, and Dexter comes out with a fantastic line in voiceover. Apparently my new life involves a love triangle. I'm that guy. The voices are back. Excellent. <laughs> I like that. Another shining example of effective and humorous use of the voiceover, enhancing the character, not spoon-feeding us with the obvious. Later, LaGuerta catches up with Dokes to warn him off Dexter, saying if the complaint goes through, he'll be kicked off the force. She's worried about him, with two shootings in six months. She thinks he's off his game. Dokes maintains that Dexter's dangerous. As he's explaining his reasoning, LaGuerta says he's obsessed and it'll cost him his job, or worse. Again, maybe some foreshadowing there. Back in the office, Olsen has turned himself in and he gets interviewed. He's played by actor Silas Weir Mitchell, who has been a guest star in a whole raft of TV shows and films, but might be best recognised perhaps as playing Haywire in season one of Prison Break, which I thought was a fantastic season of TV. The show kind of tailed off after that, but season one was tremendous. Uh, Weir also had an arc of several episodes in season one of 24. Most recently, he's had a recurring role on the new TV show Grimm. So... Olsen, of course, denies any wrongdoing, but has an assault record and personal circumstances that fit the FBI profile of a potential vigilante. I like Lundy in this scene, sitting there nonchalantly eating animal crackers, considering which one is a lion, <laughs> as Batista conducts the serious business of the interview, but then chimes in at the right moment. He's such an intriguing character, Lundy. Here we see a kind of pseudo-playful side perhaps trying to make Olsen lower his guard with him. Meanwhile, Dexter sees they're very close to reviewing the part of the CCTV footage when he cleans his boat. He takes the cheap but effective shot of triggering the fire alarm to clear the building and grabs his chance to delete the offending video file. 
He'd have to hope they don't have cause to go back and review and find a chunk of time missing. Outside, he gets a golden chance to check out Ken Olsen. Deb shows him the file, so he sees his address, and that night he breaks into Olsen's house. It's my favourite bit of Dexter music plays, the blood theme. Olsen comes home, and Dexter subdues him as Olsen realises who's got hold of him. He spills the beans, and he reveals that the train car guy wasn't the first. He'd killed twice before, but obviously had no concept of Harry's code. He killed a drug dealer and took his stash. He killed a guy at work who found out he'd been screwing his wife. Not too much of a vigilante, really. Dexter suddenly gets a kill of the week. Hadn't you missed it? I did it because of you. No. You attacked those people because you wanted to. Yeah, but you inspired me. I didn't. With your principles. They're not my principles. Of course they are. Don't tell me who I am. My whole life I've done what someone else said I should do, been who he said I should be. I followed his rules, I stuck to his plan. I never stopped to think about what I wanted and what I needed. And now, I don't know who I'm supposed to be. I'll tell you one thing, though. I'm not the Bay Harbor Butcher. I'm certainly not anybody's role model. What are you talking about, then? Who are you? I'll let you know when I figure that out. Though I gotta tell you, I am well on my way because Sure as I'm standing here, I don't need to kill you. <laughs> That's a relief. I mean, that need that comes from within that always drives me to this table. I don't feel it. I'm in recovery. Well, I mean, I knew you weren't going to kill me. No, I'm going to kill you. I have to. I just don't need to. It's very empowering. Ah, yes. Dexter purists rejoice. <laughs> he gets a kill, but interestingly... Even with his darkness on display, he says he doesn't need to kill Olsen. He's in recovery. I guess he has, isn't he? He's not been getting the shakes, jonesing for blood. So, perhaps he's right. But he does admit he's having something of an identity crisis, re-evaluating who he is. I suppose we can say his cards are up in the air and have yet to come back down. If that's even a proper metaphor, but you know what I mean. It's nice to have a kill of the week, but we don't get long to savour it. Did that sound weird? We cut to outside, where the police are closing in on what we assume is Dexter in the train car. Tension mounts as we wonder if Dexter is about to be discovered. They pull the door open and they find Olsen's body parts, neatly gift-wrapped in plastic bags. Butcher style. Dexter, of course, long gone. They realise the... You didn't think they were really going to catch Dexter, did you? <laughs> they realise the butcher is following the investigation. Olsen's face was on the news after all, but they figure out that he's left Olsen to be found so as to discourage anyone else thinking about being a vigilante. Batista says he's probably done them a favour. Then there's a touching scene as Deb talks to Lundy and calls Dexter his new go-to guy. Lundy's not stupid and knows something's up and reassures her it's only because he can't stand Masuka. If I hear one more titty joke, I'm afraid I'll punch him in the face, he says. <laughs> that has to be one of the lines of the episode. Deb laughs and hugs him before she's realised what she's doing. Awkward. <laughs> and she quietly walks away. It's sweet how she's drawn to Lundy. The surrogate father thing is obvious, but nice for her to have this person there and feel that he appreciates her and her ability as a detective. Then we join Dexter and Rita. She gives him the chance to explain everything and he tells her about watching his mother get murdered. 
she had no idea and he tells her the truth that he went on that road trip with Lila as his sponsor to confront the man who killed his mother, seeking some closure. Rita understands, but then Dexter takes the honesty thing arguably a step further and says although he didn't sleep with her on the road trip, he has slept with her. And that's that, she tells him to leave. I suppose, I suppose we shouldn't knock him for being honest. It was at the expense of his relationship with Rita, and maybe he surprised himself at his own honesty. Perhaps he was tired of lying. But, you know, in the past we're so used to Dexter covering things up and telling porky pies. That's lies. <laughs> uh, so, you know, pleasant surprise may be that he's open and honest with her. But it costs him. There was a time I would have done anything to protect Rita. I would have even lied. But today I told the truth. Even though I knew she'd get hurt. Maybe I am leaving the old me behind. The old Dexter would have certainly lied to wriggle out of the situation, but maybe he's right. He is changing. Is Lila better for him than Rita? Lila certainly understands the addict and the steps to recovery. I'm not sure it's ethical for someone to sleep with um, with their own sponsor, but hey, I've not been there, so I <laughs> can't really say. It's a thoughtful, pensive way to end the episode with Dexter leaving Rita's house and going straight round to Lila. I guess we can't be surprised. He needs someone who understands. Overall, another decent episode. Perhaps not as gripping as others, but some good stuff nonetheless. The dinner scene set up the split with Rita, while the Doke's confrontation potentially sets up a major plotline there with Doke smelling blood. There's Deb and Lundy getting close, but whether it's purely in something more like a father-daughter surrogate thing, or whether it's something more romantic, we'll see. And we got a kill of the week. Hooray! Something that's always welcome. And all the more significant because it linked in with the main storyline, so I like that aspect particularly. Negatives? I roll my eyes a bit with a stereotypical mother-in-law thing. Gail's a tried and tested plot device. How many shows haven't used it at some stage? She serves a purpose, so I can go with it. But I do find these sorts of characters frustrating. But then again, they're supposed to be antagonistic. <laughs> the other thing I'm not excited about is Deb's new boyfriend. He's just sort of there. He's not done anything wrong. He just seems normal. I guess that's okay for him, but I can't see Deb sticking around for long. She needs someone a bit more interesting. Again, I think Gabriel's a plot device to make her realise that. Okay, let's get on to your feedback. Listener Feedback First off, many thanks to two new iTunes reviews that have appeared since I last spoke to you. Many thanks to Blue Isis O2 and Crack Rabbit for their very generous five-star reviews. Indeed, anyone uh, who might like to show a little bit of support for the podcast can do so by leaving us a, a, a five-star rating or maybe a review on iTunes. It does help us out. You can contact the podcast via email. It's dissectingdexter at gmail.com. 
or on Twitter, it's at Dissect Dexter, or there's my personal Twitter, which is at Gareth underscore UK. There's also the Facebook page. Jump onto Facebook, search for Dissecting Dexter, and you can join in the fun there. There are also the voicemail listener lines. In the US, it's 646-222-6122. Or in the UK, it's 0844-579-6949. And with the UK line, you enter mailbox ID 08320 when the voice prompts you. Or you could also do a, a voice recording on your iPhone or some other <laughs> generic uh, smartphone type device and uh, email it to me like Travis did. Ah, Gareth, he did it. Your boy done goofed up. Dex, he blew it. He did it. He he hooked up with Lila. This is Travis. And this is this is a travesty. Is what it is. No. Uh yeah, in this episode, we know Dexter uh and Lila banged and we I, I've certainly expressed it and I think you have too, Gareth that I mean, yo, we're not blind. Lila's a good-looking woman, for sure. But I don't trust that bitch at all. And maybe she is the right woman for Dexter. I don't know. I mean, she certainly seems to have more in common with Dexter than Rita does, I guess. But just everything about her is so sinister. I mean, even just archetypically. Like, look at Rita's, you know, fair hair, you know, so wholesome. And then Lila's got that... The dark hair, like very, I don't know, very foreboding. Uh, when they, uh, when Dexter and her finally did do the deed, I, I remember being so nervous in that scene because I could just, I just felt, you knew it was going to happen. And it was so cheesy. And I think even to the point where it might look, in my opinion, it looks bad for the show. Like, I don't know if they intended it to be this cheesy. Because it was just, like, so obvious, like, you know, they're arguing, and they're, like, hovering around the bed, and Dexter pushes her on the bed, and I'm like, oh, come on. How lame can you get? This is how they're going to hook up? But they did it. And, uh, Lila was so smug afterwards. God damn you, Lila. God damn you to hell. But, uh, yeah, anyway, so, I mean, that's, like, the big thing for this episode, um. Apart from that, I like the Ken Olsen kill in this episode. What a very fantastic kill. I mean, Dexter being the, you know, having a, a copycat and him having to kill the copycat. That's very unique, very clever story. I love the dialogue between him and Ken at the end where he says something like, you know, oh, I don't need to kill you. Ken's like, uh, oh, dude, I knew you weren't going to kill me. Oh, I have to kill you, but I just don't need to. I don't feel the need to. It's very empowering, I think he says. I think that's all great. Very funny stuff. It's a good episode. Uh, Dokes gets back on Dexter's case, I believe, and and my God, that stresses me out. I thought that I thought we had jettisoned that, but I guess not. And then I think Rita's mom is still just kind of hanging around, kind of kind of being a bitch as well. Man, just a lot of just a lot of negativity surrounding these characters. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I guess that's it. Uh, had a, this episode had a sweet title, though. Dex Lies and Videotapes. Very funny. Thanks, Travis. Always good to hear from you, mate. Yes, indeed. Don't trust Lila. <laughs> now, if you watch much television, you, you're immediately suspicious of, of characters like Lila. You kind of think, yeah, they're a bit too good to be true. The support she was offering, 
it was a bit too effective and you're just waiting for things to turn sour. And, you know, they started to take a little bit of a, a downturn this week with her willingly sleeping with him. So, yeah, TV shows do train us to be a bit distrustful of characters like this. And you make special mention there, Travis, of the argument scene. It was a good scene and well acted, as I said in the review. And you could kind of see where things were going. Again, it's it's a bit of a, a tried and tested plot device with having two characters arguing and things get so intense that they end up falling into the sack. I mean, I don't know how often that happens in real life, but hey, this is television. But you could kind of see where things were going. And you also mentioned the kill of the week scene, killing the copycat. Yeah, I really like that scene too. And the, the kill scenes, the kill room scenes, invariably have some really good, well-written dialogue. And, and this one was no exception. I did enjoy that too. Thanks, Travis. Um, I had an email from Sarah in Germany. Uh, apologies to you, Sarah. You did send me this. Oh, God, it was probably best part of maybe three months ago. I do apologise, I've not read it out sooner. I did mean to read it out in the first rewatch podcast once I'd done with season six. Uh, so belatedly, um, here we go, here's your email. <laughs> Sarah says, she emailed to say, I simply love your show, it's really great, and as a student who wants to become an English teacher, I really gain much from listening to you. Your show also affirmed me in my idea of writing my bachelor thesis about Dexter as I've become a real addict, although I'm only up to the first couple of episodes from season three. Maybe I should join Dexter in his addict meeting. You give me some real good stuff to ponder about that might be useful for my work. Although I do not have to finish it until next summer, it helps a lot to get started and gain any ideas. I also really, I'm really happy about Sandy mentioning the book The Psychology of Dexter and the other book called Dexter Investigating Cutting Edge Television. They're already on my wish list for things to buy from Christmas money. I wondered if you've seen the other books on Amazon dealing with Dexter. It's Dexter and Philosoph... Sorry, I'll read that again. <laughs> it's Dexter and Philosophy, Mind Over Spatter by Richard Green and Serial Killers, Philosophy for Everyone, Being and Killing by S. Waller. It has a section on Dexter, among other real serial killers. Unfortunately, I haven't bought these books yet, but maybe other podcast members know these books. Or maybe they even know other books. It would be great if you can tell us if you find more about, in brackets, scientific books about Dexter. Thanks very much, Sarah. I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast, and I'm flattered that you're learning things about the English language from <laughs> from listening to me. Um <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, obviously it's been a while since Christmas now, so I hope you've maybe spent some of your Christmas money on some of these Dexter books. Perhaps you'd like to email back and maybe let us know whether you have bought any of these books, and if so, whether you've read them and what you thought of them. Maybe a little book review. As for me, I've only so far read the Psychology of Dexter book that uh, I've talked about before and the one that Sandy uh, recommended to us. Um, I will check out uh, those other titles that you mention and um, maybe add them to my wish list and, and buy soon you're listening to dissecting dexter email your feedback to dissecting dexter at gmail.com blood sometimes it sets my teeth on edge
Dissecting Dexter is sponsored by Audible, the internet's number one purveyor of audiobooks with a massive online catalogue to choose from, fiction and non-fiction across every subject you could possibly want. They offer a free one-month trial, during which time you can get a free audiobook download, choosing from any one of their 100,000 titles. And you could help out the Dissecting Dexter podcast by doing so by going to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter and signing up for a free one-month trial, you'll be supporting this podcast and getting access to a great service. The audiobooks are very flexible and work on Android, iPhone, iPod and generic MP3 players. As you're listening to a podcast about a serial killer, maybe I can recommend an audiobook to you. Maybe it'll whet your appetite. Killing for Sport, Inside the Minds of Serial Killers, is written by Pat Brown, who also narrates the audiobook. It gives a fascinating insight into the psychology and mindsets of serial killers. Pat Brown is a criminal profiler, so he's well qualified to reveal the truth behind the myths. How serial killers hunt for victims, why they torture them, where they stash their bodies and loads more. If you're into Dexter, I wouldn't be surprised if you also have at least a passing interest or intrigue in serial killers in general, so... Maybe check this one out if you find yourself signing up for an Audible trial and help out the podcast in the process. The URL again is www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Next time on Dissecting Dexter. The next episode is Season 2, Episode 7, that night, a forest grew. Now, if you don't want to be spoiled for the next episode, skip forward a couple of minutes because I do go over a brief synopsis of the next episode and just say a few words about it. Here we go. The police think that they have a break in the case when the Bay Harbour Butcher sends a 32-page manifesto to a local newspaper. The only thing is that Dexter wrote it as misinformation and the investigation goes off in different directions. Meanwhile, Sergeant Dokes continues hard on Dexter's case, and Dexter has to play hardball to protect himself. Elsewhere, Rita comes to the end of her tether with her domineering mother, while Lila sells a sculpture and goes out for a romantic dinner with Dexter. But when Dexter wants to attend a school event with Cody, Lila takes action to get his attention. So, clearly, Dexter is being proactive on two fronts next episode, not waiting for things to come to a head. By putting misinformation out there, he can seriously misdirect the butcher investigation and have them chasing blind leads, which can only help his, his own position. And I think it's good that he's doing this, being proactive. He can put a lot of information in there to make it authentic and have Lundy believe it's real. It also sounds like the intensity between Dexter and Dokes continues to ramp up after their great confrontation this week. I've loved Eric King's performance as Dokes, and of course we always love Michael C. Hall's work, don't we? Evidently, Dexter's being proactive here too. I guess he's feeling inspired by Lila's support, whether we like her or not. But speaking of her, the synopsis gives clear indication that she may be turning into a bunny boiler. Up until now, she's been supportive of Dexter. You can rightly argue she ought not to have slept with him, but let's face it, he was pretty aggressive and forceful in that scene this week when they ended up in bed. Quite uncharacteristic of Dexter, but illustrative of the tension, the stress and pressure that had been building up inside him, all bursting out after the dates confrontation. Lots to look forward to as we move into the latter half of this season. (laughs) 
so that brings us to the end of another Dissecting Dexter podcast. We're halfway through the season. We are, I wouldn't say we're on the home stretch yet, but um, things are, are ramping up. Plot lines are taking firm shape. I think we can see the direction that the main storylines are taking. And there's lots to look forward to, lots to be excited about how things are going to unfold throughout the remaining six episodes. So I hope you'll join me next time when we look at episode seven and we dissect some more Dexter together. So until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now.